Today's scripture is from the fourth chapter of Ephesians, verses 11 to 32. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ, for surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourself with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Priscilla Shire tells this great story. She was driving along one day and she came up behind a, a Mustang, a cobalt blue Mustang GT. The interesting thing about this particular Mustang, though, was that it was driving about 20 miles under the speed limit. It was a two-lane road, two double lines. She couldn't get past it. <laughs> For 20 miles, she said, she, she followed this car going 20 miles under the speed limit. Finally, she got to a place where she could safely and legally pass. And as she did so, she looked over and did not see in the driver's seat what she expected. She expected to see a teenager texting. What she saw instead was a sweet little grandmother. And she said, I, I started to laugh. There she was, 
surrounded by all that power and going 20 miles under the speed limit. Sometimes I wonder if that is not the way God looks at us. Surrounded by all of this power and yet not allowing God to do within us what God wants to do. Surrounded by all of this power and yet still so often leading anemic lives. This series has been about the power of God. Ephesians chapter 4 is a discourse on how we stay connected to God's power. And in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul describes God's power, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or even imagine. God's power is great. The irony is that for many of us, as we've been walking through this series about the power of God, in this same moment, in this same season, my guess is that many of us have felt increasingly powerless. Paul does a great job here in Ephesians chapter 4 of describing what it looks like for us to be away from, cut off from God's power. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says that when we're not connected with God's power, we are like infants being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. If we're really being honest with ourselves today, do we feel more like deeply empowered servants of the Most High God? Or in this season, do we feel more like infants being blown about by the waves? We need God's power in our lives. We need it desperately in our lives. So how then, how then do we unleash God's power or allow God to unleash God's power in us? The answer to that is a simple answer with lifelong implications. How do we truly connect with the power of God? The answer is through our obedience. Think about it for a moment. God is wanting to unleash God's power in our lives, but God's not going to give power to those who are going to work against God's intended purpose. So if we want God's power to flow through us and overflow our lives, then we must be deeply connected to God's purpose. How do we do that? How do we remain connected with God's purpose? How do we remain engaged in obedience? I want to suggest to you that there are really three parts to that conversation. This is, this is such an important thing. If you've got a piece of paper nearby and a pen, grab it and, and write this down. Because there are three parts to how we remain obedient that I just, I think that they should remain in front of us in our lives. So here, here's the first one, okay? We need to stay close to the cross. The cross is, of course, the greatest symbol of love in human history. But it's, It's not just for all the humans out there. It's for me. It's for you. Christ died for me. Christ died for you. We have heard this before, that even if we had been the only one, Christ still would have died. That is Christ's cross, but it is also my cross. And I need to stay close to it. Why? Because when I don't remain in the shadow of the cross, I know what happens to me. When I find myself getting away from the cross, failing to remember my desperate need for God's grace, dependence on God's mercy, 
when I don't live in the shadow of the cross, I find myself becoming self-righteous. I find myself becoming judgmental. This might be the single most important piece of understanding for Christians at all as we're striving to live into this new and abundant life is that we must constantly stay close to the cross. Not only does it remind us of God's love, but it reminds us of our utter dependence on God's grace. First, if we want to be obedient, we must stay close to the cross. Secondly, we must stay connected with Christ. This is the piece that most of us have heard before. How do we stay connected with Christ? Well, it's, it's in a discipline in our lives, spiritual discipline. It involves scripture reading, regular scripture reading. It involves prayer. We're in this season where many of us have had the opportunity to recompose our schedules. My question to you is, have you given God space in your schedule? Because the truth is, our lives of discipleship, our lives of faithfulness will be anemic until we are regularly connecting with the source, until we're staying connected with Christ. Maybe you don't know how to begin reading the Bible. Well, if you've never read the Bible before, I'd start with the Gospel of John. Read one chapter a day. If you're looking for more resources, go to ebenezerumc.org and the resource page, that page there. And there you're going to find a Bible reading guide. It gives you a chapter of the Bible every day to read throughout the course of the year. Prayer is incredibly important. There are all kinds of different ways that we can pray, but some people find prayer to be a bit scary or enig enigmatic. Recently, Ebenezer Church developed a prayer called the Tokens Prayer, T-C-N-S. It's a very basic template designed to help us in the midst of our everyday devotions. You can find that also on the resource page at our website. Reading the Bible, engaging in prayer, these are both incredibly important to staying connected with Christ, but that's not all that we need to do. Ironically, if we're going to stay connected to Christ, we also have to stay connected to our fellow brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. I believe that we need the opportunity to be together in community. And even though we haven't been able to meet in person, there are all manner of tools that help us stay connected. We all need three people in our spiritual lives. We all need a Paul. We all need a Barnabas. We all need a Timothy. A, a Paul to help lead us a mentor, a Barnabas to walk beside us a friend, and a Timothy, someone to invest in. Not only do we need scripture and prayer, but we need the community of faith. We see this actually made manifest here in Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me at verse 21 and following. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he said, When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus... You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. You see, in the midst of this conversation, Paul is reminding these people of the things that they have been taught. When were they taught these things? When did they learn about Christ? The answer is, if we go back to Acts chapter 19, Paul is the one who taught the Christians in Ephesus. He lived there not just for a little bit of time. He was there for two years investing in these people. 
and now is writing back to them to check on them and continue to give them instruction. Paul knew that the community of faith was essential to our ongoing spiritual development. We cannot stay connected fully to Christ unless we are also remaining connected to one another. We want to be obedient. If we want the power of God to be shining through our lives, we need to stay close to the cross. We need to stay connected to Christ. But here's the third piece, and this is the hardest one. We've got to give God control. It's ironic, but it's true. I talk about the power of God and unleashing the power of God, but if I'm being really honest with you, I do want God's power in my life as long as I get to control where that power goes. As long as I can segment the parts of my life off that God will overflow. The amazing thing about God and God's love and God's power is that God will overflow anything that we give God access to. We give God a thimble's full of our life, God will overflow the thimble. We give God our truck, God will overflow the truck. God will overflow any part of our lives that we give to God. If we give God our marriage, God will overflow the marriage. We give God our relationships, God will overflow the relationships. We give God our job, God will dump God's power into that. Our fears, our anxieties, God will overflow with God's power if we will agree to let God have control. For the power of Christ to be made available to us, we must be obedient. How do we do that? We stay close to the cross. We stay connected with Christ. And we give God control. God, my whole life, my whole life, it is yours for the using. That's how we connect with God's power. I want to conclude this series by talking about why we connect with God's power. But to do that, we've got to take a little bit of a field trip. On December 13, 1862, the Union Army crossed the Rappahannock River to take control of the town of Fredericksburg. Under the command of General Ambrose Burnside, they were ordered to come up this hill. When they did that, they found the Confederate army entrenched behind this wall. As the Union engaged, it was a bloodbath. It became one of the bloodiest days in the Civil War, America's bloodiest war. As evening fell, some 8,000 soldiers from the Union army lay across this field, wounded and dying. One young man by the name of Richard Kirkland couldn't take it anymore. Sergeant Kirkland went to his commanding officer and asked for permission. A Confederate soldier, he asked for permission to jump over this wall, leaving behind his safety and care for the Union troops who were hurting. His commanding officer initially said no, but eventually relented. Sergeant Kirkland gathered every canteen he could find and he jumped over the wall. Many people believed that he was going to be shot down as soon as he left the safety of these rocks, but the Union didn't fire on him. 
Kirkland spent the rest of that night carrying water to those who were wounded, bringing them warm clothes, blankets, on that December, cold December evening. Throughout this series, we've heard over and over again about the power of God, that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than anything we could ask or even imagine through the power that's at work in us. But then Paul goes on to say, now to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God's power is unleashed in us through our obedience. When we're in line with God's purpose, the power of Christ flows through us. That's how we connect with God's power, through obedience. But why? Why do we connect with God's power? God shares God's power with us so we can help redeem and bring hope to the world. God shares God's power with us so that we can bring glory to God now and to all generations. Listen, I don't know if Sergeant Richard Kirkland was a follower of Jesus Christ. Here's what I know. This battlefield is one of the darkest experiences of the Civil War. And yet, what people so often remember about this place is a 19-year-old who became known as the Angel of Marie's Heights. A boy who risked his safety and his life in order to love his enemies. One of my favorite movies has this amazing line. It says, what we do in life echoes into eternity. The living God shares power with us. Why? So that we can bring Christ glory. We can bring Christ glory. And not just in our own lives, not just in this moment, but in ways that reverberate through all generations. Right here in this place, a 19-year-old kid risked his life to love his enemies. And 180 years later, we are still talking about the angel of Marie's Heights. What will you do with the power that God is unleashing in your life? Don't wait for the next church program or the next piece of permission. What will you do now in this moment? On that dark day, Sergeant Richard Kirkland acted in a manner that it was heroic and memorable. The power of God lives in you and me. How will we use it? to make an impact not only in our lives and not only in this moment, but to all generations forever and ever, bringing glory to Christ. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Amen. Right now, in this very moment, our God is able able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything that we have ever asked, anything that we have ever imagined. God's power is available to you and to me right now, provided that we are in line with God's purposes. What is God's chief purpose? 
but ultimately to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. My hope for you, for all of us, is that in this day and flowing into eternity, that the power of the living God will be at work in you such that the name of Jesus Christ is glorified now and throughout all generations. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for you indeed are powerful. You are exceedingly and abundantly more powerful than anything we've ever known. We ask, O Holy God, that you would draw us closer to yourself, that you would help us stay close to the cross and remain connected with Christ, that you would help us cede control of our lives to you. We thank you for the relentless and unyielding ways that you have loved us and cared for us and provided for us. May we respond by allowing your power to flow through us into this moment and into all future generations. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.